0: Lord, we thank you so much that you answer prayer, that you hear prayer, that you give strength when we ask for it, that you are faithful, and that we can say that you are good, and that you are always good. Lord, we give you all of the praise and all the glory this morning. Open our eyes and our hearts what you have for us through your word today. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can be seated. I want to welcome you to Shelby Road Baptist Church. Si hablas espanol, bienvenidos a Shelby Road Baptist Church. Que Dios te bendiga. Really glad that y'all are here. Praying that God blesses you today. It's good to see Rob Trouton in church, is it not? God is good. God is very, very good. When I grew up, I had uh, house rules. You guys have house rules? I hear all the kids in the, all the kids here are like, yes. Oh, the rules, they're the worst, aren't they? <laughs> you guys are playing right into my hand today. No, growing up, we had house rules, and you knew there were some that were kind of, I don't know, flexible, and some that were unbreakable, right? I was more of a rule keeper, you know, uh, growing up. My sister, though, was more of a rule breaker. That's like kind of almost like she just had that pre-programmed in her head. And one of the unbreakable rules in our household was never talk back to your mother. <laughs> I, mean, I heard, some, I got that's the fastest, that's one minute in, fastest I've gotten amens in a sermon before. Oh, this was an unbreakable rule. And one fateful day, she broke it. Yeah. And then my mom said to her the words that, the six words that y- you never want to hear when you're a kid wait till your dad gets home. <laughs> so my sister, uh, she's 29 now, but this is back when she was about six. My sister, being as resourceful and smart as she is, decided I'm going to prepare. So, knowing her fate, she went down into her bedroom and proceeded to put on every pair of underwear that she had. <laughs> He'll never know. My dad gets home, she's like, I don't think that our daughter had this large of a rear end, but apparently she did. <laughs> but this is, what, this is our experience with rules. Right? Is there experience of rules? They're they're there and we live by them and we live by them or we don't live by them. And if we keep them, then we're rewarded. And if we break them, then we're punished. Well, as we grow older, an interesting thing happens, I think. I think that we still think of rules the same way that we did when we were six years old and we were putting on every pair of underwear that we had because we knew that we broke a rule. I think that we still think of them this way. And the reason that I think that is because We've done an interesting thing with Christianity. We have taken, not just, you know, here in in, in our church, but this is culture-wide, we've taken this idea of Jesus and Christianity, and we have isolated the relationship part from the rules part. We've broken them apart completely. Because, this is what we say, and this is line number four in our series, Lies Believers Believe, we're wrapping up the series today. Here's line number four. Christianity is a relationship. It's not a list of rules. I've been taught this. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. Can I be honest with you guys? I've taught this. No, just, you just, it's a relationship with Jesus. Just you and Jesus in a relationship and it's wonderful. It's not a list of rules. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. Well, there's a problem with that. You've got to throw out a large chunk of this book if that's what you think that Christianity is. It's not. But we do this, I think, because we think of rules the way we did when we were kids. They're just kind of, they're just, you, you do them or you don't, and then the hammer comes down, or you get the blessing, and it's just really cold. And, and, and what we do, though, what we end up with when we separate the relationship from the rules in Christianity is that we get relationship and no rules which means that you have a weak god with no authority who's basically a glorified spiritual guide there to give you kind of advice and to love you and be your homeboy be your best friend that's what you end up with but then on the other side we end up with sometimes we end up people end up with a god that's all rules and no relationship and that's a tyrant well, God's not either one of these things. He's not either one. Because He took, in this whole faith, Christianity thing that we have, that we live, He took the relationship and He intertwined it with the rules, with the commands, closely. So closely, in fact, that when we keep God's commands, when we keep those rules, it says something powerful about the relationship that we have with him. It says something very powerful. In fact, today we're going to cover three things. Okay, so you're taking notes. Three things that we're saying to God when we keep his rules. Okay? Three things that it says to God when we keep his commands. All right? And we're going to be in John chapter 14 as we dive in. John chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 15. The first thing that it says powerfully and loudly to God when I orient my life around keeping his commands and saying, you know what, I'm going to make this my top priority. I'm going to be somebody who keeps the Lord's commands. This is the first thing that it says to God. It says, I love you. It says, I love you. John 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands. There you go, that's point number one. <laughs> so I, I, I sometimes forget how clearly Jesus stated it here, but these are the words of Jesus If you love me, keep my commands. Uh, About 1992, there was a book published called "The Five Love Languages." Yeah, you guys are all nodding your head because we're kind of in the love language era now. That book started ignited a fire in uh, culture, and now we kind of we kind of know, you know, kind of like we well know what kind of uh, personality I am, like the INFJ or Enneagram or whatever it is. Now people know what they know. I know my love languages are. You know your love languages? When I came here, somebody asked me what my love language was. And I said, food. (laughs) I know it's not one of the five, but let's be real. Only I I regret that I didn't get specific enough. Micah, could you throw this graphic up there? Here's my five love languages words of affirmation your tacos are delicious. Acts of service, I made you tacos. (laughs) Seriously, could you ever feel more loved than if somebody made you a taco? Receiving gifts, here's a taco. (laughs) Quality time, hey, let's go out for tacos together. Physical touch, let me hold you like a taco. (laughs) Mexican food is the best food on the planet change my mind, okay? I, I dare you. But we're in the era of love languages, and we know kind of our love language quality time, receiving gifts, all this stuff. What's interesting, though, about how we love each other and how we tend to do this is we tend, we tend to love other people in the way that we ourselves receive love. That's our first default move. When I'm loving other people, I tend to love you how you or how I receive love. So if my, if my love language is words of affirmation or tacos, I'm going to say, Ed, man, you're a handsome guy, and you're, you're a great cook, okay, and you're a great friend, And I'm gonna do all these things, I'm gonna give all these words of affirmation, but he's gonna look it back at me and the whole time he's thinking, Oh yeah, but I'm a gifts guy, man. And what happens when I love other people, the way that I tend to receive love is that there's something lost in communication. Well, we tend to do this with God a little bit, I think. We do. Because did you know that God has a love language? God has a love language. And we say, well, I come here and I sing praises, and that's good. We're told to do that. I come here and I sing the praise songs as loud as I can. I memorize the word, all that kind of stuff. That's really, really good. That's good that we do this. But God actually gave us the inside track. He said, this is my primary love language. When he said, if you love me, keep my what? Obedience is God's love language. Obedience is God's love language. Every time, every time that I obey him, every single time that I look in his word and I read something that he told me, Jesus said, love one another. Are you doing it? Because when you do, did you know that God feels something? Did you know you can make, think about it. When somebody gives you a taco... Or when somebody shows you your love language, shows you love the way that you receive love, how does that make you feel? You feel something in the moment, don't you? You feel it. You feel loved. It does something to you. Did you know that you can do the same thing to God? You do the same thing to Him. When you keep His commands, He feels loved by you. Love one another. And you do it, he feels loved. You know why? Because love has something very closely in common with obedience. All right, I'm going to have you actually. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to throw the verses on the screen for you. Second Samuel chapter 24. King David. King David. Is trying to bring an end to a plague that has been brought on his people. And he travels away that God tells him to travel, and he runs into somebody, and he says, well, I'm going to bring an end to this plague by sacrificing to the Lord. I'm fulfilling a command. I need to sacrifice regularly to the Lord, so I'm going to do this right here and right now. And this person that he, meet, that he meets, named Arunah, says, I'm going to give you everything that you need to do the sacrifice, free of charge. And David refuses. David refuses the gift from Arunan. Look what he says here. 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 24. But the king replied to Arunah, no, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David, brought, David bought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. I will not sacrifice something to the Lord that cost me nothing. Here's what love has in common with obedience. They're both a sacrifice. Every single time you love someone, right, whether you're married or whether you're not, and you love your friends, you love your family, you love your siblings, you love your siblings, Every time you show somebody love in their love language, it's a sacrifice. It costs you. Love always is a sacrifice. If your love isn't costing you something, then I think you have to ask whether or not you're actually loving someone. Because love is a sacrifice. So is obedience. Every single time you do what God says, he feels something. And not just the stuff that, well, I think that God wants me to... I don't know, start a business or something. I'm not talking about this stuff. I'm talking about the stuff that you open the Bible and you find the commands and you do them, especially the harder they are to do for you because maybe you have a particular weakness in an area. Every single time, every single time that you walk away from the crowd because they're participating in gossip and you don't want to do that, Proverbs 17, 9. He feels something. Every single time that you are tempted to look at something on the computer that you shouldn't look at, and you pray and bring God into the moment, asking him to find in him only what you're trying to find somewhere else, and you close the computer, he feels something. He feels love. Matthew 5, 28. Every single time that you care for your mother and your father, even if they haven't been good to you, God feels something. Exodus twenty twelve. Every single time you are kind to your unkind co-worker and you think, all I want to do is give him a piece of my mind. Every time that you are kind to them, God feels something. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love is always kind. Do you see what's happening here? Love is felt by God when you obey. Obedience is God's love language. Is the first thing it says to God. When I Orient my life around keeping his commands. It says I love you And how many of us myself included have gone through life where I I pray and I say to god that I love him and I sing praise songs But then there are things in my life that I need to start doing and i'm not starting to do them Or there are things in my life that I should stop doing and i'm not stopping doing them I'm missing an opportunity to tell god that I love him when that's the case in my life Every time that you obey, it says to him, I love you. Here's the second thing it says. It says, I need you. Every single time that you obey God, especially when it's difficult to do so, it says, I need you. Let's go back to John 14. See, what's happening here in John 14 is this is the last bit of teaching that Jesus is offering to his disciples before his crucifixion. So this is kind of the last words the last bit that he's sharing with them and what he says right at the beginning of john 14 in that chapter is he says do not let your hearts be troubled he says this because the disciples have troubled hearts because jesus is leaving he's going away this is a guy that they have been walking with every single day for the last three years they have been eating with him every single day for the last three years they have been listening to his teaching every single day for the last three years, sleeping where he slept, walking where he walked. When you were a disciple of somebody in that day, you, you followed them so closely that you'd get the dust kicked up from their sandals on your own feet. This is how close they were to Christ. And he says this to them in this passage. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. And then verse 16, and I will ask the father... And he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because you live, or because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and i am in you. I want to bring you back to the beginning of that verse, verse 16. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands, and then he says this, and i will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to what's that word? help. help you. If God's offering you help, it's cuz you probably need it, right? Far be it from me to say, I got it, God. Hey, uh, Steve, I'm asking you to do this thing, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you. And I say, no, actually, I got it. I'm good. If God's offering help for something, I probably need it. What's He offering help for here? Don't forget what He said in verse 15: If you love Me, keep My commands, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Advocate to help you. Help you do what? Keep the commands when I decide to orient my life around obeying God as often as I can, as frequently as I can, I'm voluntarily submitting myself to something that I actually can't do. Did you know this? You can't obey God. Not by yourself. We think that we can. I think sometimes we try to on our own, but we can't because we've got two Major problems, and I want to point you to another text to show them to you. Um, this is Psalm 119. I'm going to pull a couple of verses and throw them on the screen. Psalm 119. If you want a wonderful like week or two of great devotions, read through Psalm 119. I know it's long; it's like 170,000 verses. But it's Pastor McNeil's doing an awesome. Series On Wednesday night If you're not here You should be here for it It's called Great Chapters In the Bible He did Hebrews 11 The chapter of faith And 1 Corinthians 13 Chapter 11 I think this is one of the great chapters Of the Bible Psalm 119 It's all about God's word But it's not just about God's word It's about a specific part Of God's word Look at Psalm 119.10 It says this I seek you with all my heart Do not let me stray from your Read that word commandments. Do not let me stray from your commandments. See, King David understands something. He's called a man after God's own heart, and this is what he's talking about most often is God's commands. You see, you can't have the relationship without the rules when it comes to God. You can't. We can't break it apart. They go together, and he says, I seek you. Please don't let me stray He's asking for help. He's saying, I want to keep your commands, God, but I need you. I need your help to keep them because my natural tendency is to do what? To stray. So the first problem we have with obeying God is we have a dedication problem. <laughs> Frequently, we get, you know, I used to, when I, was, when I was younger, I used to go to, you know, a conference. Like a big conference or a youth rally. And you'd go to the youth rally and sing all of these wonderful songs and you'd leave there and you'd be on fire for God. And I'd be like, all right, this is gonna be different now. Boom, 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 boom. And it was different for about a day. I need God's help to obey God's commands. And so when I orient my life around keeping his commands, it says to him, I need you. I need you to help me with this, but that's not the only problem we have. We also have a direction problem. Let's look at Psalm 119 a little bit later in the chapter, verse 105 and 106. If you're familiar with church and scripture, you've probably heard this first one Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. Your word is a lamp. And it's a light. How many of you here are, you would say, you're good with directions? How many of you here are relatively sure you couldn't make it to your destination if the map was tattooed on the inside of your eyelids? I'm pretty good with direction. My wife isn't so good with direction. One time we were going to a concert at Calvin uh, College, Calvin University now, sorry. And she had already pulled into the parking lot and she called me, it was lost, couldn't find out where, you know, where to go. Now, it's a campus, I, you know, campuses can be difficult to navigate. And she called me and she said, hey, I can't get to where I'm going, like I need help. And I said, hey, tell me where you are, like what's, what's near you? And she said, buildings and grass I was racking my brain for what Caitlin's love languages were at that moment. (laughs) I'm gonna need these later. Some of us are good with directions, some of us aren't, but here's the thing when it comes to faith, all of us are terrible with directions. We're terrible with them. God tells us what we need to do, and we do the other thing. (laughs) He gives me the map. But sometimes in life, here's what happens you enter a season where there is no map. You don't know where to go right from left, up from down, right? It's when you enter into that time of financial uncertainty or you enter into that time of job insecurity or maybe your health is a big mystery right now, how it's all going to work out. You enter into this place and you're not sure what to do or how it's going to work out. Here's what's interesting. We're really bad with directions, but we, we kind of still insist that God gives them to us. But it's not the direction that he gives. See, he does actually give direction, but I don't want the "this is right and this is wrong" direction. I want the right versus left direction. I'd prefer that. My, I'd prefer that I had a relationship with God that I have with my iPhone. Hey, Lord, which way should I go? Left or right? Up or down? And sometimes God's clear about this, but I, in my experience, a lot of time He's not that clear and it reveals something that's kind of not great inside of us it reveals this sometimes we're less interested in knowing god and more interested in just knowing what god knows i want to know the future i want to know how this is going to work out and many many times it causes us to fall backward when it comes to our obedience of him we are so Obsessed with wanting to know the will of god that we can't know that we stop obeying the will of god that we do know When I orient my life around obeying him it says I need you I need you to give me the right way to go And I need you to help me follow the directions that you've given when I really want the directions you're not giving me right now When I live like this it says to god I need you more than I need what you know. I need you more than I need what you know, so I'm going to keep your commands. David, the man after God's own heart, was somebody who was obsessed with God's laws. He poured over them all the time and said, Lord, I want to keep these and I need your help to keep these. The disciples... In John 14, Jesus is about to take off. He's saying, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to help you. And that's really good and comforting for them because right now they are entering the most uncertain time of their entire disciple lives because now they don't know what the future is going to hold. But Jesus tells them, I know that you don't know what the future is. I know that you are in an uncertain land. And what I'm telling you the most important thing you need to do right now is keep my commands. Keep my commands even when it's difficult to do so. Hebrews 10.25, when you, when you are in an uncertain season of life and you come to church anyway, it says to God, I need you more than I need what you know. 1 Corinthians sixteen or 1 Corinthians 6.8, when you're in that bad relationship with a boyfriend or a girlfriend and they want you to do things that you're not comfortable doing, that you know God doesn't want you to do, yet you want to be with them because you're lonely, but you decide, no, I'm going to leave this relationship. I'm going to obey God. It says to him, I need you. More than I need to know if I'm going to end up with somebody someday, I need you. Galatians 6, 2, when you are in treatment for that illness, and yet you still make life about other people, because God says, bear one another's burdens. And you know that just because you've got a heavy one doesn't mean that you can't bear somebody else's burden. When you do that, you are saying, God, I need you. I need you. I need your commands, your direction all the time. When we obey God, when we look at what he says in his word and we decide, you know, I'm actually going to do this. I'm actually going to love my enemies. I'm not just going to memorize the verse. I'm actually going to do it. It says to him three things. It says, I love you. Because obedience is God's love language. It says, I need you because we need him more than we need what he knows, especially in the uncertain times of life. And here's the third thing that it says to God. I know you. There might not be a more rewarding experience in a relationship, a friendship, or something else, but... When they do something for you or say something to you that makes you feel known, they know you, they got that little, they got that little treat at the store. I learned something early on in my marriage. Guys, free word of advice, okay, for everybody. If you're ever at the gas station or at the store or somewhere and you think to yourself, should I get her something? Should I get her a treat or a snack? Get it. Every time. You can't lose. One time, I went to the gas station to pick something up. I remember, I think it was like ice or something like that. And I thought, I got a little fun money. I'm going to get myself a treat. So I got myself a treat. And then I went home. And my wife said, Oh, I can't believe you got me something. I didn't get you something. I got me something. Hard lessons learned early on. This is I learned. If I do something like that, it makes my wife feel known when I do because I know what she likes, and I know who she is, I know what she prefers and what she doesn't prefer. Every single time that I obey God, when I say I'm going to do this command that I read in Scripture, you are saying to God, "I know you. I know you." Here's why. God has written Himself into the story. This Bible right here, from beginning to end, Genesis to Revelation, is God's Word, and there are commands, and there are comforts, and there are exhortations, and there are all kinds of things in here. There's poetry, all that stuff, but really, at its core, it's a story that runs from Genesis to Revelation about, well, basically, the story is this. Jesus wins. Okay? There's a lot more to it than that, but it's a story. So God is the author of this story. He's the author of your story, the author of your life but god has done something interesting here he's written himself in authors sometimes do this it's a very interesting thing i looked this up recently because it was fascinating to me but one author in particular probably one of the most well-known authors in the world stephen king right now he's known for you know all kinds of horror things and stuff like that but he actually writes a lot of stuff that's not and he was talking one time about what he had done in one of his stories uh, it's a series of books called The Dark Tower, like the last couple of books or whatever. And there's a character in that, those couple of books who eventually gets on the bad side of the bad guy. And the bad guy tries to take him out by staging a car accident. Well, what's interesting is that if you know what happened to Stephen King, one time he was walking down the road by his house and he was hit by a van and nearly killed. And they asked him why he did this. He said, you know, it just felt like that's what the story needed. I just wrote myself in. (laughs) That's what he did. God has done the same thing. And he's done it in his commands. All the commands that you read in Scripture, I think this is what makes us look at the book of Leviticus and go, I would rather read any other book in the Bible. I'm just talking real like you taught, come on. Who's doing, who's doing devos in Leviticus this week? I'm just saying. <laughs> it's because why? It's, it's a bunch of commands, it's a bunch of odd rules. Well, what if you knew this? God has written himself into his commands, all of them, okay? For every you shall, there's a because I am. For every you shall, there's a because I am. Watch this. Let's do this quickly. I'm going to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5 is where we see the second iteration of the Ten Commandments. If we're going to talk about God's rules, this is kind of the hall of fame of God's rules, right? This is the first revelation that God gave his people, the Ten Commandments. Let's just try this. Deuteronomy 5:7, You shall have no other gods before me. Because I am a jealous God And I want you to myself You see this Verse 11 You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless Who misuses his name Because I am holy And I need you to know that I am holy It's good for you to know this Right Let's let's keep going Verse 16 Honor your father and mother You shall honor your father and mother because I know how life works and eventually everybody gets to the age where they can no longer truly care for themselves and I have set up a system whereby you will always be cared for if you obey this command because this is what I care about. I value life. You see this? Let's do this again. Verse 19, you shall not steal because I am a God who values dignity and property and I respect what I've given you and I expect you to respect what each other has because I want you to live in a world where you don't have to look over your shoulder all the time and protect everything you have because it might get taken from you do you see this verse 20 you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor why because I'm a God who doesn't lie I don't lie, and I don't want you to lie. I don't want anybody who follows me to lie because this is what I value. I value the truth, and I always tell the truth. Do you see this? He's written himself in. He wrote himself into the story. And it's through his commands. Forever you shall, there's a because I am. Every single time, and as you read the Bible, read it this way. Read it this way. You see a command about an ox? Right? Right? Don't just slip past it because you're like, well, we're beyond that. I don't have oxen. If there was a command in there about a car, I would read it. No, oh, ask this question. What is God saying about himself in this command, this obscure thing in the middle of Leviticus or Deuteronomy, particularly in the Old Testament? What is he saying about him? For every you shall, there's a because I am every single time. And if you do this, you orient your life around obeying God's commands and his laws, looking through and saying, okay, you know what? He says, don't steal, so I'm not going to steal. Why? Because I know him. Because I know you, God. I know you. I know what you're like. And that's not, I want to be what you're like. Not what I tend to be like. Every time. It speaks powerfully to the relationship when I keep the rules. You see how you can't break them apart? You can't. They go together. And it's good that they go together. Because this is what God has designed. And it's how he has designed us to be in relationship with him. So every time that we do what God says it says I love you every time we do what God says it says I need you I'm now living a life I can't do on my own and every time I do what God says it says hey I know you you're known by me God wants to be known by you he knows you he wants to be known by you he says seek my face with all of your heart that's what that means Know me. I've opened up to you. I've given you these commands, not just because of the rigidity, all that kind of stuff. No, think of it more like a skeleton of the body. It makes possible what is life. It makes it possible. Is it rigid at times? Yes, but it's designed that way. It's how God has designed it for us to be in relationship with him. It says, I love you. I need you. I know you. Get your note sheet out got one. If you don't pull your phone out, something that you can write something down with. I want you to write two words, okay? Leave yourself a little bit of room underneath each one to write, okay? Here's one, start. That's the first word, start. Here's the second one, stop. Stop. Look at Jesus' concluding words in John 14 here in this speech. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, good to know, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. This is probably the best motivation we have to obey God. Because it's, it's how we get close to Him. It's how we know Him. It's how we love Him. So here's what you got. You you wrote those words, start and stop. There is undoubtedly something in your life that you are not doing, that God has commanded you to do, that you should start doing now. So I want you to think about that for just a moment. And if it occurs to you, if you know what it is, I've been praying that God would reveal this to you as we were teaching today. So I think there should be something in your mind. And write it down, even if it's just a word, write it down, whatever it is. And then the second word, stop, there may be something in your life that you know that you are doing and that God wants you to stop doing. Write that down too. One thing to start, one thing to stop. I am going to start being kind to people who are not kind to me. One thing to stop, I'm going to stop worrying I'm going to ask God for help. I'm going to go to my godly friends and ask them for advice and for prayer. I'm going to orient my life around making this one thing be in alignment with what God wants. Why? (laughs) Because you love Him, because you need Him, and because you know Him. God wrote Himself into the story in His commands. He also wrote Himself into the story in the form of Jesus so that He could show you that He loves you, so that He could show you that you need him and so that he could show you that he knows you and wants to be known by you He's given us all that we need To do this It's time for us to do it One thing to start one thing to stop All right, let's pray heavenly father. Thank you so much for your word for your gift of the holy spirit to help us Lord, I pray for us all right now, Lord, as we are thinking of the things that we need to start doing and stop doing, I pray, Lord, that you would not only reveal those things, but that you would give us the help and everything that we need to do them. Lord, you do not give impossible commands. We can do the things that you've commanded us to do. I pray that we would walk from here with a new resolve and a new motivation. Lord, we want to do these things because you feel loved. You know you're needed by us, and you know you're known by us when we do these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See you next week.